Hi, this is and welcome to Reasonable and Necessary, Australia's premier podcast series on everything you ever wanted to know about the National Disability Insurance Scheme. I'm your host, Dr. George Tabot Forrest, and on today's episode, we're talking about self-managing your funding and how to use your funding flexibly to meet your needs. We are very lucky to have Sam Payer from the Support Coordination Service, the Growing Space, back with us today. Hi Sam, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me again, George. I really enjoyed our last one. It was good, and it's good to have you now to chat to us about self-management. I I believe that um, self-management is one of the the, um, areas that you're very passionate about. Can you tell us why? Oh, I just think it just offers so much more flexibility. It offers better uh, better savings for government um, and better outcomes for people with disability. It's been proven, I think, pretty much the world over. Oh, wow, okay. So before we go any further, what is self-management and how, how is it different from other ways of managing your funding from the NDIS? Yeah, under the NDIS, you have a choice of three different ways of managing the money in your plan. There's agency management, which is where you only choose agency registered providers and there are capped prices. Um, and you don't have to worry about the bills yourself. They just go, the providers all just send their bills effectively directly to the agency and get NDIS and get paid. So that's agency management. Then there's plan management, where there's extra money put into your plan for effectively a broker to pay the bills for you. Um, and when you have plan management, you can choose any providers and services you like they don't have to be registered um but some plan managers do stick to the price caps which sort of may give you some restrictions um and then there's self-management where uh, it's, it's it's sort of free reign in terms of who you choose to provide your supports and services and how much you pay them it all still needs to fit under the reasonable and necessary guidelines that's outlined in the ndis act but um, there's an awful lot more flexibility to do. Okay. Awesome Let's talk about, you did say, you said two things there. You said under self-management, it's free reign, but you need to be uh, aligned with the, um, the principles of the Act and the, the, the reasonable and necessary um, criteria that we've talked about previously um, on the podcast. But how, how do people... How do people know that they're doing the, the right thing or that they, you know, I, I think a lot of people might just worry that, that they could get in trouble um, yeah. or that they could be seen as misusing their funding. How, how do you protect yourself from that? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an excellent question and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a really difficult question and I don't think the agency have got their heads around this as well either. So I think, yeah, it is, it's really tough. Um, as far as, as a support coordinator, when we're advising families uh, and people with disability, we go through the reasonable and necessary provisions of the act and explain it to them. And we give them a copy of it. We actually laminate it, George. We give them a laminated copy of that section of the act <laughs> with a whole lot of tick boxes that they can check off when they're thinking about something. But I think the crux of it is, if you're choosing something that you need because of your disability, in that you wouldn't need it if you didn't have a disability. And if it helps you reach the outcomes or the goals in your plan, 
then I reckon it's pretty much fair game. So you can't be using your NDIS money to buy a barbecue, but if you needed different controls on the barbecue because you couldn't use the, the, the dials that were already on there, then you could pay for those extra dials. Okay, I, I really like the simplicity of the way you've said that. You said really that, you know, if it's about uh, reaching your goals and if it's related to your disability, um, meaning that if you didn't have your disability, you wouldn't have that expense, then then it's uh, it's a legitimate use of your funding. It's about It's about bridging the gap in my book. It's about bridging the gap between a disabled life and a non-disabled life. Okay, so tell us what you think are some of the um, advantages. What's some of the advantages of of um, of self-management first? What are the advantages? What are the advantages of self-management? So, um, the advantages of self-management are that flexibility. So you can you could hire a support worker that lived next door to you if you wanted to, and they would not have to have a certificate three or four in disability if that wasn't important to you. So let's say you've got a neighbour that you're good mates um, and all you really need is half an hour of help in the morning to get out of bed. And the bloke next door is keen for some extra cash. He um, he already goes to a job at nine o'clock, but he's free from eight to late 30, which is when you want your help. So rather than going through a registered provider and having to have a disability support worker with a certificate for a disability and everything else, you can just go to your neighbor and say, mate, can you come and help me? And I can pay you. You'll have to get an ABN, but we can pay you directly. So it's cheaper for you to do that. You're not worried about the fact that it's only half an hour because many agencies will have a one or two hour support worker minimum, for example. Um, and you've got someone that you know and you trust who's right next door. It's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also thinking that for young people who are at university or who are at TAFE or school, that it might really just be about wanting to employ um, a, a schoolmate or a, a uni friend. Um, yeah. And that, that if you um, have self-management, that you, can, you have that flexibility um, but I imagine that there are people who are listening that say that what about all your um, superannuation or all your work cover or your industrial obligations, as we like to call them. Um, yeah. What would you say to those people? Yeah, look, there's, there's a number of different ways of doing it. So you can always contract someone, in which case they're responsible for their own super and tax and insurances and what have you. Um, you can go through a more alternative agency, a little bit like Higher Up or Better Caring or I think Hire a Hero. There's a few different agencies around and they'll look after all of that side of things for you, but, but you can still bring a provider that you want to them. So you could bring your neighbour to them and say, can you go get registered with these guys, please? We're going to pay you through them. Um, and that way you don't have to worry about the super and the tax and whatever else. You can also, if you've got a, you know, it's probably not worth it if you've got a tiny package, but if you've got a decent sized NDIS package and you're going to be hiring a lot of workers, um, you can pay a bookkeeper or someone else to run all of that for you. You don't have to do it all yourself. So someone else can look after that. Yeah. And you can use your NDIS funding to pay for things like 
uh, bookkeeping or for yeah absolutely for the bookkeeper you might want to buy a zero subscription or a myob subscription or whatever and they can do the payroll um you're welcome to do that the idea is that if you're self-managing you're saving the money that um a, a typical support worker agency your typical support worker really only gets about $25 an hour, but the agency is taking in $45 an hour or the, the, or the, that company. So there's a $20 gap there. So if you self-hire, even if you pay someone $30 an hour, you've still effectively got $15 an hour to play with. Now, you're not playing with it, but you'll be using it for the super and the tax and the work-covered insurances. And, and you might even want to use it together to do other other more interesting things like you might want to have occasional case conference or a gathering where you get all of your workers together in the same room and you'll need to pay them for that or you might even want to put on a barbecue for them every employer does that for their workers there is no reason why a person with disabilities should not be able to do that as well i really like that i think that's a a, a really helpful thing because um support workers often talk about being isolated and yeah. And sometimes meeting one another can be um, a good way of developing the role of, of understanding that there are other um, people that, that um, work with a, a person and, and just develop a sense of a family even, you know? Absolutely. Community. And I can tell you, uh, for my own son, for example, he's got a couple of friends who also have disability and our parents are all friends. And what we've, what we've it kind of, it, it's happened organically, but... We often, we, we have our own core workers, but we tend to borrow each other's workers as well. So if Ben and his mate Charlie want to go to the movies and we need a worker to take them, if one of my workers is not available, I call Charlie's mum and say, hey, is one of your guys available? Can, can they take the boys to the movies on the weekend? And so the idea of actually getting all of the workers for all the two or three boys together for a barbecue is a really wonderful thing too. And it creates a real community. Yeah, and I think that's what we really need to emphasise is that um, in doing things creatively and differently, there are more opportunities to be a part of community and you're not locked into a service. Um, Absolutely. The, the funding's there um, as a means to support you to, to do what you want to do, not what the agency, you know, says according to their own rules you can do with the funding. Yeah, absolutely right. And look, I, you know, I think agency management is a good thing for some people some of the time. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And certainly when you're starting out in the NDIS, you may want to choose plan management for your first plan, just so that you don't have to deal with paying the bills. So you get some flexibility, but you're not having to deal with everything all at once. And then once you're settled in the scheme, you've been in there a year or two, you could switch into self-management then. You don't have to go into any of these things immediately. You do have the capacity to change your money management with every new plan review. Okay. So we talked about some of the advantages. What, what are some of the disadvantages? I mean, obviously, there's more paperwork um, involved. Um, but personally, as a self-manager, um, I actually find the, the portal incredibly easy to use um, in terms of making claims. Um, it's it's just a case of entering the date of the service and then entering um, you know, what what the amount is and effectively within two days you that that, that funding is, is um available 
to you. Yeah, it's, it, it pretty much always comes, seems to always come in a day within, a, within one business day, which is pretty good. Um, and another little tip for you, George, is that you don't have to, if, let's say for your capacity building funds, <clears throat> you're seeing a physio and an OT. You don't need to put in a claim for each of those. You could lump them together. If they're going in the same category, you just put the date range across the two appointments and put it in as one claim. So you don't actually have to put in each claim as an individual claim. Yes, it's relatively easy, but there is a need, obviously, to keep receipts. Yep. What, what else? What other, what other Yeah, look, as a, self, as a self-manager, you are subject to audit. So you need to keep all of your paperwork for five years, and you're going to have to prove that you've spent uh, what you've spent your money on and that it is reasonable and necessary and that you've... You know, you've done your due diligence and, and, and you've not done anything fraudulent. So it's important to have some level of record-keeping skills. But on the other hand, if you can't do it yourself, that's okay because you can hire someone else to do that for you. Mm. So you don't actually have to do it all of all yourself. Um, it's a good idea to have a good idea about budgets and money in general if you're going to self-manage. Uh, if you don't have any numeracy skills, you're going to want to hire someone else to look after that side of things. Yeah, for you. and the other thing now is that there, and you mentioned it earlier, that there is a lot of online um, accountancy software that makes these things so easy. Like, um, yeah, so true. Um, I use one of the the online ones, and it's it took a little bit of getting used to, um, a bit of learning. Um, ironically, one of my support workers taught me how to use it, which was Excellent. very handy. Um, <laughs> yep. and, and now, you know, you can save receipts, invoices, you know, it's, it's all there. There's, there's um, you know, online cloud um, where you can save your receipts. Yeah, there's, there's all these um, technologies that we can learn about yeah. and then put to use for self-managed. Yeah, that actually brings me to a, a, a interesting point, George. Talking about your support worker teaching you how to do that. When you um when you self manage, you can tr- you can hire sort of non traditional support workers. So, um, we hired a support worker for my son, and um, we were outside, and I was showing an area that I wanted to get paved, and this bloke said, "Oh, I used to be a, a paver. That used to be my job," and I said, "Oh, okay." He said, "You don't need to hire a paver to do it." Ben and I can do it. Awesome. So um, my son learnt a fantastic skill. It's not the best paving job on the planet, but it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm, I'm happy. Um, he's done a job that he's really proud of and he's learnt a skill. Um, and they've had some really good time talking and mentoring each other because when, when I don't know, if, you know, as a parent of teenage boys, when boys are busy with their hands, they can talk better. Ah, yes, because yes. it's also when, not we, grunting. when we, you know, go on long drives in the, in the car that, you know. Absolutely. You're not making yeah. eye contact. Captive <laughs> audience, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, so, I, and I, I often think that um, some of the more creative uses of, of funding are really around, um, you know, hiring people who might never have considered themselves to be you know, in the disability sector. So, oh, um, absolutely you know, right. Uh, why, why wouldn't you, you know, hire a, um, you know, personal trainer if you're interested in developing your health and fitness? Oh, um, dead right. If you, right. you want to do, got... if you want to do acting, then you know, hire an actor and so forth. 
Now, absolutely right. Ben, um, my son's learning how to be a DJ. Loves loves doing music stuff. Um, and he needed to go to this DJ class and he needed some support to do it. He was at a mainstream DJ class. So I just put a call out on Facebook and, you know, a friend of a friend of a cousin of a nephew of whatever um, had just finished a popular music degree at the conservatorium here at the university um, and was looking for casual work while he did his band, was doing his own work. Um, and Ben and Tosh have now become great mates and they work on music and garage band and making music all the time. It's fantastic. Awesome. And he never would have been, he never would have been a support worker otherwise. So in terms of your, um, you mentioned earlier that you can get other people to help you. Um, are you hoping that one day that Ben could um, manage his own support? Yeah, look, I'm really hopeful that that'll be the case. He'll always need support to do it. I don't think he'll, um, he's not likely to have the numeracy skills to genuinely manage the budget himself. Um, but with support to do that, with a bookkeeper or someone that can manage and a support, a good support coordinator, once I'm not helping him anymore, um, he there's no reason he shouldn't self-manage. I think it's actually, I, I believe that people with intellectual disability probably have more to gain than anyone through self-management. Why is that? Uh, because they are the people that are subject to the most dangerous assumptions all of the time. So if you start getting people in their world that, um, that don't have those assumptions, if you're bringing in people from different walks of life rather than traditional disability service models, um, you're opening a whole lot more doors for them. I think that's an excellent point. So I'd like to um, ask um, one more question. Um, what, what advice would you give to people who are thinking about self-managing? Advice for self-managers? I think be brave, be brave, do something different, try something different. I think um, be aware of the difference between fraud and misuse. If you make a mistake with your NDIS funds, but you're still going, you're still looking at the outcomes and it's still disability related, you are not going to get into big trouble. So that's misuse. There's actually not even, that's not a criminal offence to misuse your funds. So if you make a mistake and you claim something from the wrong line or, or you know, you've, you've, you've bought a piece of technology that really should have gone through a certain process, it is not the end of the world. You will not be sent to jail for doing that. Um, so be a little bit brave. Try some different things and read, I guess, yeah, reading the reasonable and necessary provisions of the NDIS Act, if you read those and you check off whenever you think about buying something that's a little untraditional or creative, go through that list and think in your head, what do we think? Do you think this, this is reasonable? Does this, does this seem to fit the bill? And if it does, then you're not being fraudulent and you can't get into really big trouble. I, I think that's excellent advice around being brave. Um, and and I and I'm also hearing you say that you know take risks that, that yeah. there is you know we're so taught to you know be um, risk averse um, yeah. sometimes a little bit of risk is what we need um, to get a good outcome so don't be afraid to do something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone and um, and self management it does open um, a range of opportunities for you to, to take those, take the chance and do something a bit different and, and that isn't, 
isn't traditional, so to speak. Yeah, let me let me give you an example that I think if if you or I walked into the NDIS in our planning meeting and said, "Can I use my money to hire a dog trainer?" They would say, "Yeah, no." <laughs> it would be pretty. It would be a pretty clear no. But I recently met a dog trainer that I'm using to help train. I'm I'm training a a, a puppy here, a therapy dog, um, and she used to work in disability. Who knew? Anyway, we're having this lovely chat about things. And I could not help but think of a couple of um, a couple of children that I serve or teenagers that I serve that just will not engage with traditional sort of services. They just they're not interested in having a support worker. But they do have dogs and they love dogs and they connect with dogs. Uh, one of them doesn't have great speech, um, but will not go to speech therapy or do speech therapy. But what we're going to do is we're going to have this dog trainer work with the young person with disability to train their dog. And through that, the dog trainer is also going to liaise with a speech therapist to work with that young person so that they're working on their articulation, which of course, you've got to have good articulation and speak well to give a dog a command. So yes, guess what? We're hiring a dog trainer to help someone meet meet their goals under NDIS. Absolutely, and that's, that's going to meet the outcome. That's yep. that's definitely, um, you know, reasonable and necessary. Hey, absolutely. Particularly for someone that's not engaging, that just won't engage in other supports and services. So it's you know these sorts of things can could bring some real breakthroughs and make some great outcomes for people. And that's what it's all about. Yep, you betcha. Sam, you've been a wealth of knowledge. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And um, if people want to find out more about uh, your uh, service, uh, how would they do that? Um, probably best to, if you're a Facebooker, we've got a pretty big uh, Facebook presence at The Growing Space Australia. Uh, and if you just prefer to go to a website, I have a terrible website, which will be updated next week. I'm very excited about that. And that's at thegrowingspace.com.au. So people can head on there and learn more about support coordination and self-management. Thank you, Sam, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, George. It's been a thrill. Thank you. That's all we have time for on today's episode of Reasonable and Necessary, brought to you by the Summer Foundation. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Building Better Lives, for all previous podcasts and transcripts. We also love hearing from you, so please leave your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, stay well and reasonable.